0: Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of The Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we've spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in Christ's presence in community with other leaders.
1: Thanks, Ruth. And hey, we've appreciated the great response we've had to the first five seasons of the podcast. And we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast, but all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we'd like to invite you to become a monthly patron by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron. That's transformingcenter.org slash patron. You can choose what level of support you would like to give, and you'll get some exclusive bonus content for becoming a patron. Thanks so much for considering it. I also want to let you know that this season we're walking through Ruth's newest book, which is called Invitation to Retreat. We're going to have one episode per chapter, and we encourage you to purchase the book and read along with us. When you buy the book from the Transforming Center, you're going to receive a signed copy from Ruth and some exclusive bonus offers. So visit the transformingcenter.org to learn more. Here we are, episode 12 in returning and rest, you shall be saved. Mm-hmm. We've made it to, an, to the end of another season. Uh, and I wanna read a quote, it's, it's several sentences long, but it's so good uh, how you begin the chapter. And then I have a question for you. So you write this, I don't know about you, but I need to be saved every day. From life and our culture, yes, and from the forces of evil in the world, but mostly I need to be saved from myself from my own busyness and the weariness that comes from it, from my own feelings of self-importance, from grabbing at things that haven't been given, from micromanaging what I have been given, from my relentless human striving, from the anger and bitterness and cynicism that threaten to take over when I have not had the chance to tell God the truth of my heart, allowing Him to address me in that place. Ruth, when I read that, I underlined it in, in exclamation point. It, it just felt like it was just so true and so for me. Uh, so how does retreat save us?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, for one thing, it just stops these the, the, the momentum. It's almost like a timeout in a basketball game, you know, like where you just stop the momentum of whatever it is that's going on on the court. And so I feel like retreat... First of all, saves me by just stopping mm-hmm. the relentlessness of my life. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I'm very grateful for that. I can just stop uh, my relentless human striving, and of course, the busyness is killing us all. So to somehow find a way to stop the busyness, which retreat does, um, is salvation in and of itself. Um, but but then also to back away from my own inner compulsions, you know, grabbing for what. I'm not being given micromanaging what I have been given. All of that just ceases on retreat, and I open myself to another reality, another way of being in the world. And um, I don't even know who I would be if I wasn't someone who had been practicing retreat. I probably would have, you know, killed myself by now. I mean, in terms of the pace, Mm -hmm. not not suicidal, but but my pace of life. Like I might not even be able to string words together if it wasn't (laughs) for the fact that I do practice retreat Mm -hmm. regularly. I think it also helps me to be in touch enough with my own inner dynamics that I can, you know, allow God to stop that momentum as well Mm -hmm. and begin to address my life and and enter my life in a way that's not so driven by inner compulsion.
1: Well, that's good. And um, there's a kind of muscle memory, I think, that happens on retreat, especially when you return to the same place. Mm -hmm. And you write about that. That's important. Yeah. But say why?
0: Well, there's something about familiarity and returning to some place you've been before where you don't have to figure stuff out that I think can actually be part of our resting. So it's not like I say you can never go to a different place. I have several places mm-hmm. that I go regularly and routinely, but it is the knowing, you know, I know how you check in mm-hmm. to this place. I know where to park my car. I mm-hmm. know what the, what the place provides, and I know what I need to bring. I know how to find my way to the chapel. I know how the meals work, you know. Yep. Then I'm not spending any energy at all on the details and on the logistics because I already know what those are, and so I can just give myself to the familiarity of it. And familiarity is worth a lot, I think, in our in our day and age when so many things are new and different and everything's changing so much. To be familiar with the space and to know what it is and what it offers and how to be there can be part of our resting. And it can also develop over time that um, that place itself becomes so sacred to us that just by entering into the space, we drop down into a different Mm -hmm. experience. And many, many people have said that that's their experience in coming to these regular quarterly retreats that entering the space actually begins the process of settling them down. That's really great. We need all the help we can get, right, to settle down, given what we're all
1: coming from. Uh, The transforming community doesn't meet at the place that we used to when I was there, but one of the traditions I developed over time was after lunch I would walk back Mm -hmm. to, uh, and I stayed at this further retreat house that took about probably 15 minutes to walk Mm -hmm. from the cafeteria all the way to my room. But that walk became one of the things mm-hmm. that I just treasure. Yeah. I, you know, and it, for some reason it never rained, and it was mm-hmm. just, it was just, yes. ah, it was there yes. for me. Mm-hmm. And there was a lake right there, so right. I would usually do mm-hmm. a couple laps around. And so um, these 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 Ebenezer's almost mm-hmm. uh, like a place can be a remembrance of right. what has happened. Right. You remember mm-hmm. oh, two years ago.
0: Yeah, this happened
1: and you break Mm -hmm. open your journal and i remember where i was sitting when i wrote that down Mm -hmm. so um that's good and
0: remember in the old testament they had places where they knew that god showed up for them and one was mount horeb i Mm -hmm. mean that's where moses had his interactions with god it's where elijah had his interactions with god and it's not like we have god in our back pocket and and can Mm -hmm. force god to be the same way god was this time as last time but there are places where that for us become Horeb. they become Mm -hmm. Of the mountain of God, mm-hmm. the thin place, mm-hmm. the place where God meets us. and so returning to that place becomes part of our spiritual experience.
1: And why wouldn't we? Why right. wouldn't we do that? So mm-hmm. part of that is just a very helpful, practical thing. Like we don't need to reinvent the wheel. right. All the time. right. Um, and so that's good. Uh, you you mentioned that there is really only one criterion for choosing a place. so let's let's pretend someone's mm-hmm. never been on retreat, and so they have to find the place mm-hmm. that they're going to return to. Uh, what is the one thing? and why is it the one thing.
0: Yeah, the one thing is silence that you have to be someplace where you can find silence and be supported mm. in your silence. And of course that's gotten harder and harder to do. I've been disappointed that even not well first of all so many retreat centers across the country are closing because they can't mm. find a sustainable financial model and that's that's a loss to us if I can just say that yeah. that not not having retreat centers on the planet that are set aside for this quiet in God's presence is a real loss to us all. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's happened that in order to find a, a model, a financial model, they've actually tried to straddle being a retreat center and a conference center, yeah. which means that there's other people there who are talking and busy while you're there trying to be quiet. So, um by definition, a retreat is about silence in inner silence, interior silence, and whatever exterior, exterior silence will support your journey into the inner silence. And so whatever we can find that supports the silence would be the best thing we could do. So, there's a continuum of, of the kind of silence you can find. So, I mean, honestly, I, you know, I, I retreat in all sorts of different places. I've retreated everywhere from a hermitage that's in the middle of the woods where there literally is no sound, but the acorns falling outside your window, um, to, you know, um, a a normal bed and breakfast or hotel where I have to work harder to create my silence, you know? Um, so you can do it anywhere really, But you, you know, it's just that in some places you have less support. So if you can start by looking for a place that already is holding silence, that doesn't have music playing in the hallways, that doesn't have TVs in the rooms, that doesn't have conference attendees talking and and chatting, that would be, that would be the best, but we can't always find that. So then, you know, we go to a venue or a place where we have to work a little harder, but, but the more experienced we are with retreat, the easier it is for us to create the silent space.
1: Henry Nouwen writes, uh, to live a spiritual life, we must first find the courage to enter into the desert of our loneliness, and to change it by gentle and persistent efforts into a garden of solitude. And I'm struck by two words, gentle and persistent. What do you think Nouwen means when he says that?
0: Well, it's hard to know what another person means when they use their words, but... um... When I think about those words, I think about not forcing and pushing too hard, like actually being gentle with ourselves and not evaluating and pulling the plant up to see if the roots are growing, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. Like all the way through saying, is this working? Is this working? And, you know, Uh, not noticing and evaluating everything. So I think that's gentle, Mm -hmm. just being really gentle with an unfolding rather than trying to force things to happen. And then persistent is a nice word because... It also means that there's uh, there's time. It takes mm-hmm. time. It takes working with this over time. It's not a quick fix sort of thing. And so I hope we can all enter into retreat um, with gentleness, but also being, per, but also persisting in cultivating this quiet place within ourselves.
1: I I love the the pictures he draws too. The desert of loneliness mm-hmm. versus a garden of solitude.
0: Yes, it's and, wonderful.
1: Whew, Over time, that's what retreat can become.
0: Yes. And so rather than being this dry patch Mm -hmm. of earth, it's a place that now has a bench in it, Mm -hmm. now has beautiful flowers in Mm -hmm. it, that maybe now has a grown tree in it. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some birds that nest here now. I mean, Mm -hmm. that it becomes a thing as opposed to just a a barren patch of earth.
1: But maybe don't be... Too discouraged if your first couple of retreats yes, feel more like the desert, more dry, yes, and empty, <laughs> no. right? Right, that's mm-hmm. normal. That's totally uh, to be expected. Yeah,
0: or the other way we might experience it is that at first mm-hmm. it
1: oh, right. feels
0: that way. Yeah. At first, we face loneliness and dryness and desert, but then after a while, we begin to experience it as this rich, yeah. peopled or rich and um, pregnant place—a place, a place mm-hmm. that's pregnant with the presence of God. Yeah.
1: You write about something that you call lifting power that you experience in retreat. Mm-hmm. What is that?
0: Well, that was really a fun metaphor to come across. And it feels to me like one of the gifts that God gave me at the end of the writing of this book, because, you know, you're a writer, so you know that figuring out how you're going oh, to end yeah. a book is always a panic, mm-hmm. figuring out how you're going to start it and figuring out how mm-hmm. you're going to end it. And so I honestly am writing along and I don't know how I'm going to end it, but then I'm always collecting you know, things in my file about whatever I'm writing about. And as I was looking through the file one more time about all of the things that I've been collecting about retreat, I came across this one author who wrote about it as um, like a ship who enters into a canal lock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they close the lock, oh, yeah. and then they fill the lock with water. And because they're filling the lock with water, the boat actually rises. It rises to a new level so that when you open the other door, then it's at the level of the sea and it Mm -hmm. goes out and that when um when you're trying to move a ship say from a river you know to someplace else another river or the ocean or something like that oftentimes the water levels are different and you have to somehow lift the boat to get it to the right level to be able to move out into the ocean and that is exactly my experience on retreat Mm -hmm. is that when i go into the lock the canal lock the door closes behind me i don't really always know what's happening i can't always perceive what's happening But I know something's happening and what it feels like the most is that I am being lifted imperceptibly without even knowing what exactly God's doing that I am being lifted from the level that I was functioning at to another level that enables me to emerge at a new level. A new level of trust in God, a new level of being in touch with God at the, pres- at the, at the depth of my being, um, a new level of discernment, a new level of being cleared out of false self stuff that, that over time and without my even knowing what's happening, I am lifted um, to another level um, and then I emerge at, at some other level. So that is a metaphor that really works for me. And it, mm-hmm. and it gives me patience, like, so that through my retreat time, I don't have to know what's going on the whole time. Mm-hmm. All I know is that this practice of retreat does somehow mysteriously and imperceptibly lift me mm-hmm. to another level. And even when I don't know what's going on, good things are happening. And mm-hmm. I've experienced that over and over again. Um, I am being lifted to a higher plane. I, I will meet people on a higher plane when I return that good things are happening in me and around me and for me and for others. And I can trust that. And in all of that, that's how, that's how we're saved. That's how we're lifted to new levels in our mm-hmm. lives.
1: I like that metaphor too, because it's water, which is natural and it's just slowly. Slow. You
0: can't feel it. Gentle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not leaning over the mm-hmm. edge. Like, Hey, am yeah. I, am I a yeah. foot higher? Am I yeah. a foot higher? No, right. You're just, if you just sit there,
1: yeah. you will be lifted. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Well, retreat in the way that you describe it in this book is really countercultural, um, as we've noted, especially these days. And so let's talk to the people for a second who have listened to all 12 episodes mm-hmm. maybe even read the book, and now they're trying to screw up the courage to actually book that yeah. first retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some thoughts, suggestions, uh, direction for them?
0: Well, um there's always google i mean yes. if you're if you're not familiar with retreat centers in your area and i will as i said before there's a challenge now because we've had three retreat centers close in our area Um, since I've started practicing retreat and that doesn't leave us much. So you might have to look a little bit, you might need to be willing to travel. I have traveled far, um, sometimes to get to the right kind of setting. So you might, you might need to travel, but you can check Google or get recommendations from people around you that you know, have taken retreat. Um, you know, the Catholics are better at this than we are. So it's, probably very often going to be a Catholic retreat center. So you can look up that to see if there's a retreat center associated with the parish, um, that you're near or within. Um, and then, you know, you online now, they all describe what they are and what they offer. Then you also may want to call, you may have some other questions. You also might want to see if they offer spiritual direction, um, during the time and you may get to choose one or they might assign it to you, but you know, that's a courageous step Mm -hmm. to see a, a spiritual director, um, but set aside the time. And, you know, the only thing you can do is just do it. Yeah. Find your place, set aside the time, make the arrangements you need to make, and then go and just do it and enter into it and see what God has for you. This is this is the, the risky nature of retreat, that retreat in this sense is different than vacations and, and planned trips and things like that, because we're not in control like we are where we have this itinerary and we've made all of our plans no that's not what retreat is like on retreat we show up and we let god be the one to guide us and for many of us that's going to feel a little bit different depending on you know how much j or p from the myers-briggs we have in us to let go of planning and to let go of a schedule and to really be willing to enter in to to letting another community and, and another group of people care for you and guide you along or to let god initiate with you um it's it's quite the invitation but it's the invitation we need right That's now. a
1: good one. And Ruth's not going to say it but I just want to remind you this this book that she's written Invitation to Retreat is a book to bring with you on retreat. It is a guide for mm-hmm. you while on retreat yeah. to move through the movements. Mm-hmm. And I would highly encourage you to do that. Why wouldn't you? It's, it's mm-hmm. such, a, such a great gift.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I do want to let people know that in most of the chapters, there are two sections at the end of each chapter, mm-hmm. one on preparing for retreat to help you to know what you should do before you go. And then another section on what to do while you're on retreat relative to that chapter. And so the only reason I mentioned that is just to let you know that there is enough guidance for you to, to take the book and use it and have what you need and to, and to provide some structure
1: but also if you if you're going to do it pick it up beforehand read yes beforehand. and re- especially read those preparing
0: yeah. for retreat parts yeah. so that you're ready
1: yeah don't just throw it in your mm-hmm. bag and open it up for the yeah. first time while you're on retreat mm-hmm. I mean if you had to you could but that wouldn't be the optimal way mm-hmm. to do it so uh, well that is that is all Ruth and I know you have a way that you want to end the season so uh, would you please lead us through that
0: mm-hmm. I want to take us back into the passage that really frames this book Isaiah 30. Um, Just let us hear this again as God's invitation to us uh, to be on retreat. Um, This is an invitation threaded throughout Scripture in all sorts of different ways. Um, But this is God's invitation to us. And let's hear these words this time as being very intimate and personal for us. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Truly, O people in Zion, inhabitants of Jerusalem, you shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Though the Lord may give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us.
1: If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Thank you so much for your support of the Transforming Center in this podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. These reviews and ratings increase the visibility of the podcast. Thanks so much.